Amen. He's mighty to save. Amen. Give him the praise. Give him the praise. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us. Before you are seated, take a moment and welcome those around you. You may return to your seats and you may be seated. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Northside Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here. If this is your first time with us, uh, I hope hopefully you picked up a bulletin on your way uh, in. Um, inside that bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself, also to request some information. On the back of that, there is a way uh, for you to notify us of any ways in which we can be praying for you. So if you could um, just take that, fill that out, and, uh, and put that in the offering plate. You probably noticed our lovely greeter, Miss Vanetta, was not there this morning. Hopefully you noticed that. Uh, Miss Vanetta fell last night. She's fine. Uh, she said she doesn't think she broke anything, just a little bruised. So she called this morning, but uh, I know I heard some of you say, hey, where's Miss Vanetta? Uh, that's where, uh, that's why she is not here. So just be in prayer for her. Uh, today's an exciting day. I, I love this time of the year. Uh, we do it around Easter, leading up to Easter, and then Christmas, Southern Baptist. Uh, this begins the official week of prayer for North American missions. It's known as the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. I know Easter's not for a month and a half, but that's just the name it was given, and so it's an offering we take up leading um, to Easter. I love this year's theme. This year's theme is it's all about the gospel. And so every Sunday in the month of March, we'll have a video. Uh, this week is just a, a general video. The next four weeks, to look at a specific missionary here in North America and how we can pray for them. So it's all about the gospel. Check out this video. So we can try and start something. 
It's heartbreaking. Yes, sometimes people ask why. And when they do, we tell them there's places where the truth hasn't yet reached. We need to share the gospel and reach out our community. We tell them there's a God who loves them so much, he sent us. God spoke to us, broke our hearts for the city, and God's call trumps all. And we tell them there are people who love them so much. They give so that we can go. When people give uh, to mission, things happen. New believers are getting baptized. New churches are studying. So when people ask why, that's what we tell them. We tell them it's the gospel. It's all about the gospel. It is all about the gospel, and we'll come back to emphasize that in just a moment. Just a couple announcements, though. Uh, one, these are available for you out there in the foyer. Uh, it is a week of prayer. It'll guide you starting this Sunday to next Sunday. You can pray for our different missionaries. encourage you to pick one of those up. There are also uh, envelopes out there. We encourage you to take one of those. Take that home with you today. Pray about it. You have the entire month of March to give. Our goal is $2,000. Uh, just a couple other announcements. I hope you're reading the bulletin. There's so much going on. We've got the chili uh, baked potato lunch right after the service. Uh, we have a bridal shower for Miss Ruthie uh, next Sunday. I mean, we have our Awana Grand Prix next Sunday. We have a lot going on. Let me give a special shout out before we go into our praying the scripture uh, to the 30 men and the one lady uh, that was up here yesterday doing all the work outside. Uh, so can you let them know how much you appreciate that? It looks so good. It looks so good, and I've already heard several people make the remark, I didn't even know we had a fence out there. Uh, we do have a fence, and you can now see the fence. So a special thanks uh, to that. It is all about the gospel. And so with that in mind, I wanted the verse that we prayed through this morning uh, to be about the gospel. And it's Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm also really excited this morning because after we pray for a minute, we're going to sing a new song uh, that's going to be new to Northside, meaning we have never done this one together. I think it's on the radio. I heard it months ago and probably listened to it literally 30 times in two days. Uh, it is called King of Kings. The, the chorus is super easy to sing. You will pick it up really easy. It says, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of Kings. If you know it, I want to encourage you to sing it. If you don't know it and, and you're trying to learn it, I want to encourage you to focus on the words. The word gospel is actually even mentioned. But this song tells us the story of the gospel and what God has done for us. And I hope you'll love it and enjoy singing praises to God uh, in it as much as I do. So before we sing that, let's focus on this verse and let's pray this.
ask how small medium and large? I think it's extra small, small and medium. I'm just kidding. Hey, it'll work. It'll work. Thank you for being brave enough to help out. All right. Oh, you, you headed this way? All right, we'll do, we'll do four of them. Come on. I got 40. Um, all right, so this this will work. This will work. So um, let me just let me just read some scripture for you because this is gonna this is gonna require a little bit of background information. So um, you four kind of stand up right here so that the kids can see you, and maybe stand up get alphabetical by height. All right. So Hebrews Hebrews twelve one says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. You know what that means? I mean, since a bunch of people are watching, all right, a bunch of people are looking at us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, it says, lay aside everything that slows you down. You've got a race to run in this thing we call Christ, our Christian life. you got something you got to do. So, why are you carrying all this stuff? Now, the reason I ask these guys to come up here is let's just say that my job is just to walk from here to the door, to walk from here to the door. And if Hunter were to be on my back, if Hunter were to, like, get on my back and I'm supposed to walk with him, man, this is kind of tough, right? So sometimes what we think is if I can just exchange that big sin, not that you're, not that you're a big sinner, it's just... But if I can exchange that one for one that's not quite as big, then then I'll do all right. Let's go. Come on. Then I'll do all right. Oh, wait, that's not that great. Let me just put him back. Let me tell you, let me just go down here and get something some lightweight. This is just a this is just a little bit of sin, man. I can walk all over the church carrying this sin. Maybe it wasn't as little a sin as I thought it was. But listen, listen, listen. This, this is what we do sometimes. Listen, are you listening? Especially as adults, we think as long as my sin isn't as bad as somebody else's sin, then I'm doing all right. Whew, and I'm out of breath. But that's not what the Bible says. It says, lay aside every encumbrance and every sin that slows us down. It says entangles us, but I want to just say that slows us down. That gets in the way, are you listening? That gets in the way of us doing what God has called us to do. It gets in the way of us living the life that Jesus has called us to live. We're to get rid of all of that. And how do we do it? Listen. We just give it to Jesus. We give it to Jesus. We submit to living our life for give him our sin and then we're able to go and we're able to live the life that God has called us to okay let's pray father thank you so much that we don't have to walk around with sin that we can give it to you and you've taken care of it it's been nailed to the cross and we've been forgiven father I pray that we understand what that means today that we don't have to live a life of sin help us just give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
standing. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 11 this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 through 11. This is what the word of the Lord says. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You may be seated. There's an old poem that says, To live above with those you love is undiluted glory. To live below with those you know, that's quite a different story. Linus in a Peanuts cartoon strip protest, I love mankind, it's people I can't stand. Maybe you can relate to that. So we come to our text this morning in 1 John chapter 2, 7 through 11. The question for us is, what is this about? What is the, the, the message or the theme or the, the purpose of these verses? And it's simple, the answer is love. It's love. Last week in verses 3 through 6, we saw where the child of God is to keep the commandments of God. That is a, a person who's claimed faith in Christ, right? We keep his commandments. We're going we're gonna to walk in those commandments. And so what John does now is he gives us a specific commandment, uh, for example. And one of those commandments is the command to love. Now this word love in verses 7 through 11 does not occur in verse 7. It's not mentioned in verse 8. It's not mentioned in verse 9, and it's not mentioned in verse 11. It only appears once. And yet the context is clear. What John is talking about here is love. Because verse 10 says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And so from the context, we know that the commandment mentioned in verse 7, the commandment that's then new in verse 8, that command is simply a command to love. So I want you to notice three things from our text this morning. Number one, I want you to notice that the command to love is an old commandment. Secondly, you'll notice that the commandment to love is a new commandment. And then thirdly, the command to love is a way of life for the follower of Jesus Christ. So let's pray and then we'll jump into the text. Father God, you have given us, you have poured out to us your love. God, you call us to love. So, Lord, in this moment, before we dive deeper into your word, Spirit of God, I just want to invite you into this place. Lord, I believe you've already been here. You're working. You've been drawing and speaking. But Lord, when it comes to the command to love, Lord, for some of us, this may be easier or harder than others. God, the reality this morning is there have been people who in our lives have probably hurt us. There are people that we know that are not easy to love. 
yet, God, we are confronted with this reality this morning, that those of us who profess to know you, to walk with you, who have been born again, love is not an option. We must love. So, God, if there's forgiveness that needs to be extended today, then, Lord, speak to our hearts. If there's relationships among brothers and sisters this morning that need to be mended, that need to be restored, then, God, speak to our hearts. If there is someone in our family or at work or someone from our past, Lord, that we just harbor anger and resentment and we have refused to forgive, then, Father, speak to our hearts and help us to see that we will be known by the way that we love. For your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Notice, first of all, that the command to love is an old commandment. The command to love. Understand, this is a command. This word commandment occurs four times. The Greek word is entole. It means that which is authoritatively commanded. This is a command. The commandment that he is speaking of is a command to love. It's an order. This is not a suggestion. This is not optional. This is not even strongly recommended. No, the follower of Jesus Christ, the one who is trusted in Jesus Christ, the one who claims to have eternal life, the one who claims to live in fellowship with God is commanded to love. Sometimes you may ask your kids to do something and they may respond in that high-pitched, whiny voice of, but do I have to? Right, go brush your teeth, uh, put your clothes away, your curfew's at 10, be home by 10. Do I have to? Listen, when you're studying the Word of God, when it comes to this command to love, our response is not, do I have to? Yes, you have to. As a believer in Christ, you have no other options. There's not the option to not love on the table. God doesn't put it there. We are commanded to love. And notice what he says. This command to love is an old commandment. Verse 7, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment. It's an old commandment, that which you had from the beginning. So in what way is this an old commandment? Well, John says you had it from the beginning. John could be here referring to the Old Testament, right? They're living in New Testament days, the age of the church. He could be referring back to the Old Testament. Certainly they would have known that they were to love. These Jews would have known Deuteronomy 6 here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall what? Love. So you know it. They would have known it. You shall love the Lord your God. They also would have known Leviticus 19, 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So in this sense, it's an old commandment. It's not new. John's not springing it on them like, surprise, I'm telling you to do something you've never heard before. They knew they were to love God, they were to love their neighbor. But I think there's also another sense in which it could be old, because he says this, that you had from the beginning, the old commandment is the word that you have heard. I think what John is speaking of here is what they had heard from the beginning of their Christian walk. So John is saying, from the beginning of your Christian lives, I have preached about love. From the moment you renounced sin and took hold of Jesus, you have heard about the command to love, 
to love is part of the gospel. John is known as the beloved disciple. He talked about love often. And so he's writing to them in the midst of false teachers saying, hey, look, this idea to love, this is a new idea. And John is reminding them, no, it's not. You heard about it in the Old Testament. I've told you from the beginning of your walk with Christ, you are commanded to love. To love is part of the gospel. God first loved us, and now we love God, and we love others. So, hey, if you're a follower of Christ, and this morning, for the first time in your life, you're hearing that when you signed up to follow Jesus, you were called to love God and love others, I'm sorry somebody didn't present the gospel to you. Right? You are called to love. It's not an option. We are called to love. So in this sense, the command to love is an old one. We are to love God supremely, and then we are to love others. But notice, secondly, the command to love is a new commandment. Now look very closely at the language, please, beginning at verse 7. Let's read verse 7 again. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment. I'm writing to you. Uh-oh. Do we have a contradiction in the scriptures? Because John just said, it's not new, it's old. All right, we're following John. But then all of a sudden he says, but at the same time, it's new. Right? Those who are critics of the scripture, they'll look for moments like this, and then they'll just be quick to throw them out, right? This is a, this is a contradiction. It's, it's not new, and then yet he tells us one verse later, it's new. Is this a contradiction? Absolutely not. This is not a contradiction. What John is saying is the command that you have been given to love in a sense is old. right? You have known for a long time because you knew the law that you were called to love. You had the duty to love. But in a sense, this command to love is new. It's not new in the sense of you've never heard this before, I'm telling you. But it is new in the sense of what that love looks like. It's a manifestation of love in the New Testament that no one had ever seen before. And the reason we know this is not a contradiction is because Jesus himself. So if you have your Bibles, please go to John 13. John 13. So when John says it's not new, it's old, yet at the same time it's new, right? This isn't a contradiction. He's emphasizing something here. And we know it's not a contradiction because of Jesus' words. John 13, beginning in verse 34. A what commandment I give to you? What does Jesus say? A new. A new commandment I give to you. That you what? Love one another. Well, Jesus, we've known this from the beginning. How's it new? That you love one another. Here's how it's new. Just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says the command to love is new. Jesus is about to demonstrate for them and for us a love that has never been seen and a love that had never been experienced before. John MacArthur writes the commandments Newness is not found in the words, but in the illustration of love. 
William Barclay does a great job, I think, of describing how this commandment, this new commandment, um, is, is new in Jesus. And so he says three things. These aren't on the screen, but if you're taking notes, I'll mention them a couple times so you can write them down. William Barclay says it's new in the extent to which it reached. This is a new love in the extent to which it reached. Jesus comes on the scene in the midst of a Jewish culture, right? And who does Jesus love? Jesus begins to love the sinner, right? Jesus came to seek and save the lost, the sinner. And he's coming and speaking in a culture in which the Orthodox Jew hated sinners. The Orthodox Jew didn't love the Gentiles. The Orthodox Jews didn't love the Samaritans. In fact, they despised them. You have the Orthodox Jews who, if they didn't despise women, certainly saw them as lesser than themselves as males. So it's new. In the sense that when Jesus leaves glory and takes on flesh and walks upon this earth, Jesus comes and he begins to love all five of them. He begins to love the sinner, and he loves the Jew, and he loves the Gentile, and he loves the Samaritan, and he loves the women. Right, And he extends grace and love and forgiveness to all four. So in that sense, it's new. It had never been seen before. The Jews weren't practicing this sort of love for your neighbor, the extent to which it reached. William Barclay says it's also new in the lengths to which it would go. The lengths to which it would go. Go back really quick to 1 John, if you will. Because 1 John verse 8 says this at the same time it is a new commandment that i'm writing to you which is true in him this new commandment is true in jesus and it's true in you and then he says this because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining church jesus christ is the light of the world so john when he's writing that the true light is already shining he's speaking of christ the light of the world who has come into the world and when jesus came in the darkness had to start fleeing and ever since then the darkness is fleeing more and more and more now you may look around and all you see is darkness and if you watch television and the news media and reading the paper that's all you see is the darkness why because they're not interested in covering the light but man, when you begin to open your eyes and you just begin to see all that God is doing, God is still on the move, amen? He's still at work and the light is shining and the darkness is passing away in church. One day, the darkness will be no more. There'll be no more. So it's in the midst of this darkness that the light comes. And this love is new in the extent to which it reached, but it's also new in the lengths to which it would go. William Barclay writes, it could be well said that men did not really know what love was until they saw it in him. John 13, verses 1 through 5. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around them. Church, whose feet does Jesus wash? 
He'll wash the feet of Peter, who will deny him three times. He will wash the feet of Judas Iscariot, who in a matter of hours will kiss him and betray him. If that was you and me, and we were about to be betrayed, in 2020, we'd go on Facebook and start blasting that person. Like we would send them nasty text messages. We would disown them. We would stop talking to them. We certainly would not get on our knees and wash their feet. But this love that Jesus is about to show extends far beyond anything anyone had ever seen and the length to which it would go. Here we're talking about washing his feet. Keep reading a couple more chapters and you'll see Jesus hanging naked and ashamed, right, humiliated and suffering for you, for me. That's the extent, that's the length to which this love would go. It blows my mind that Jesus would do this for them and for me. But then it's also new in the degree to which it is realized. I love this church because Jesus Christ loves and now he commands his followers to love. I don't know about you, but that's not easy. And the good thing for us is we don't have to love in our own strength. For the moment you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are indwelt now with the Holy Spirit, amen? You have the power of God in you, which now enables you to love. So you and I, right, aren't only saying, hey, look back to Jesus, he loved, he loved, he loved, but now, this love is realized in his people so that we not only go and tell them, hey, Jesus loves you, but through the Spirit of God in us, we can demonstrate that love to them. We can serve them and help them, all the while pointing back to the ultimate one who loves them, and that is Jesus. So in a sense, this command to love is old, but in another sense, it is new. And then thirdly, I want you to notice the command to love is a way of life. Verses 9 and 10. Five things I want you to notice from these two verses here. We're going to do this quickly, but I want you to notice five things. Let me read them first. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Let me draw out five things from these two verses. Number one, notice the contrast between darkness and light. The contrast between darkness and light. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Darkness often refers to sinful behavior or to the realm in which sinful behavior dominates. Here's the point. You either belong to the darkness or you belong to the light. You either belong to Jesus Christ or you belong to Satan. There's no middle ground here. It's light or it's darkness. Notice another contrast between love and hate. That's the second thing I want you to notice, love and hate, right? Whoever says he's in the darkness and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. Again, there's no middle ground. Every single one of us this morning is either loving or hating. You say, no, 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 it's not hate, it's just dislike. No, it's hate. No, no, it's not hate, I just can't stand them. No, it's hate. Let's be honest. You're either loving or you're hating. And if you hate, if you hate, John says you're in the darkness. And if you are loving, it is evidence that you are in the light. Notice the third thing. 
Who is John specifically talking about loving here? Verse 10, whoever loves his brother. Your translation may say brother or sister, right? It's all-encompassing, brother or sister. So in this context, John is specifically talking about loving fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We know we're to love our enemy. We know we're to love our neighbor. We know that. But here, he's telling us we are to love our brothers and sisters. So I'm going to give you some application in a few moments. The application is going to relate directly to us as a church, brothers and sisters. Notice fourthly, notice this phrase at the last part of verse 10, that there's no cause for stumbling. That whoever loves his brother is in the light, and in him, that person who loves the brother, there is no cause for stumbling. Now, how do we interpret this? Well, there's one of two ways you can interpret it. Uh, I think either one can be true. One is that by stumbling here, it's referring to you causing another brother or sister in Christ to stumble. So if that's the case, here would be the point. You are to love them in such a way that you would never cause your brother or sister to stumble, but rather you would build them up because you're loving them sacrificially. You're loving them sacrificially. You're building up, not tearing down. Or this no cause for stumble could mean that the person who walks in the light will not stumble himself because the light illumines his path. He's walking in love. He's walking in light. Therefore, he won't stumble. Either way, walking in love preserves you from sin. Preserves you from sin. Church, when you sin against somebody, ultimately what your heart is saying is you don't care for them. What a saying. Right? If you steal, if I were to steal from Brian, I'm taking what, what's not mine and I'm taking Brian's. What, what's really going on is in my heart I hate him because otherwise why would I take from him? If I loved him, if he was my brother in Christ and I loved him and I wanted what was best for him, I would never take for him. The same can go for lusting after other people or adultery, right? You're, you're committing these sins, lying against someone. You're committing these sins because in your heart there's not love for them, therefore you don't care if you hurt them. Notice one last thing what he says here. Whoever loves his brother, verse 10, abides in the light, abides, remains, lives in the light, walks in the light. That's why we're talking about love being a way of life, a way in which we live. Notice verse 11, then we'll get to the point of application. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You notice a theme there in verse 11? Darkness. Darkness, darkness, darkness. John is writing about a group of false teachers who were claiming to be the enlightened ones. They were claiming to be the intelligent ones, and yet John is saying, no, you're in the dark because you still hate your brother. Not only are you in the darkness, but you walk and live in the darkness. Not only that, you don't know where you're going because the darkness has blinded your eyes. Darkness and hate blind us. Darkness and hate distort our perspective of people. Now, church, you and I need to repent of any hatred that is still in our hearts. We need the light to expose our wicked hearts. We need to see as God sees. So listen, if you claim to know God and you claim to love God, then you are commanded to love others. From this text, you are commanded to love your brothers and sisters. Smalley writes, the summation of the moral law of God is to be found in the command to love. And this love is exemplified supremely in the life and ministry of Jesus, whom believers are called 
to imitate. You are to love, church. I am to love. We are to love. Love is an attitude. Love is an attitude that determines what one does. So ultimately, love is an action. How are we going to treat one another? Love is a way of life. Go back and look at verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Which means we are to walk in the love in which Jesus walked. You and I are to love as Jesus loved. So application for us. Now here's the advantage of preaching when you've only been here three months. No one in this room, when I'm about to go through these things, can say, oh, pastor knows my circumstance. He's meddling. He's talking about me. Because I don't know any of your all circumstances in depth yet to that extreme that any of you could think that way. So let's point of application. Three things. Love shows humility. Love shows humility. Church, I've been here three months. I was telling uh, somebody the other day, I was visiting with them, uh, just, just rehashing. Uh, God had blessed me, the two churches I served in prior to this, with, with people who just loved my family, loved me, loved God. They weren't difficult. They, they, it wasn't a hard church. It was an easy church. And three months in, I already see clearly Northside is the same way. This is a loving fellowship. There is a loving, sweet fellowship here. But I know you're coming out of a time that was pretty tough and difficult trying and so if there is any part of you this morning that in the last year and a half or in the last five years or in the last ten years or in the past week that as a brother or sister in Christ you hurt another brother or sister in this fellowship you are obligated to humble yourself and to go to them in Christ and to say these two words I'm sorry again I don't know who you are I'm just saying if that exists if there's any part of you that treats a brother or sister in this fellowship differently than you treat other people if there's anyone in this fellowship when you see them coming you dart into another room or you hide or you don't want to talk to them if that exists and I pray it doesn't but if it does you are obligated to go to them and to say I am sorry I hurt you will you forgive me You are obligated to go to them and to seek for that relationship to be restored. Now, that goes for any relationship you have. I'm just talking this morning specifically about brothers and sisters in Christ. So love requires humility. Is that easy? No. You say, Pastor, do you know what I'm asking you to do? Yes. And I would say that you shouldn't hurt them to begin with. Like, if we just don't hurt people, this is a lot easier, right? But if we hurt them, it's up to us to make sure that relationship is restored. Secondly, Love extends forgiveness. Maybe you've been hurt by someone who is either no longer a part of this church or maybe somebody who had passed away or or maybe they still are part of the church and they have never come to you and said, I'm sorry. And if you're honest, the mention of their name still gets you riled up. The sight of seeing their name on paper gets you fired up. It, it, it rehashes those, those hurt feelings, that, that confrontation, that, that critical word they said to you. Hear me. Love requires you forgive. Whether they ever come to you or not, you've got to let it go. Because they may not even know, and if they know, they may not even care. 
and the only person who's hurting is you. So you come to God and you say, God, through your grace and through your spirit, help me to love, help me to let it go. I extend forgiveness to them whether they deserve it or not because we're called to love each other. And then third, love is demonstrated. It's not enough to say, hey, I love you. You're my brother, I love you. You're my sister, I love you. We throw that word around a lot, but rather we need to demonstrate that love to them. So quickly, let me just give you two easy points of application that I just want, as we walk away from here, I want us all to say, look, we're a loving church, but we can be even more loving. Like we, we can do more to encourage each other and to love each other. So just two quick points of application. Number one, be encouraging. Be encouraging. Some of you are more naturally encouraging people. Some of you maybe are more naturally just critical. I, I don't know who you are or where you are, but what I'm encouraging you to do is to be more focused on encouraging on encouraging now listen we won't always agree you may not agree with the new song we sang this morning king of kings i love it you may say pastor i didn't care for it one bit that's fine i won't love you any less i just think you're wrong it's a good song um uh right we, we just we may disagree so i'm not saying we always have to agree what i am challenging us to do is to be more encouraging Man, I can't even watch news anymore. It's too critical. It's too negative. Like, I, I go in, Landon had a baseball game yesterday, and I was going, I was getting so infuriated because the other team was just constantly talking, and I know softball does that, but I'm not used to baseball players doing that. I was like, just stop being so negative. You're being so critical while the pitcher's pitching. I just don't like critical, negative things, and it's everywhere around us. So strive to be different than that. Strive to be a person who wants to love in such a way that you are encouraging to the point that maybe it becomes obnoxious to other people. Like, I want to be overly encouraging. I want to encourage you, and you may be like, Pastor, you've already said that five times. I don't care. I want to encourage you. So if our youth do something or our kids do something or you see somebody in the church do something, take the time to stop and say thank you. Thank you. And this is important. When new people begin to serve, right? Maybe, maybe you're serving in an area and there's a certain way you like to do it. And we got somebody new who's stepping in. Hear me, they're not going to do it the way you always like it done. It's just, it's not gonna happen because they're not you, right? They got maybe different personality. And so what I've seen sometimes in the church is we want to force them to do it like us. And so we're going to be critical of them until they get it right. Instead of being critical, just thank God somebody else showed up to help you, right? Just be thankful you got a body. And yes, if, 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 there's a, if, they, if they're rude to a kid, right? some things we got to correct. But I, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Just be encouraging to them. And here's the second thing I want to say to you. I mean, I could ramble for a while on this one. So sacrifice, sacrifice. We are to love the saints selflessly as God loves. And hear me, when you love, it will cost you. It's going to cost you to love, I'm telling you that right now. You, if we begin to love as Christ loved, and we begin to love the brothers and sisters as Christ loved, it's going to cost you. 
Here's my question for you. How is loving your brothers and sisters in this place this morning costing you? Is it costing you? It's so easy for us to love the people who are like us. It's so easy and natural for a church to become divided either along uh, ages, right, or, or based upon families. And we, I, wanna, I want to push against that. I want us to be a people who love sacrificially. So let me, let me just talk for a moment because something near and dear to my heart, man, are kids. Some of you have kids. Some of you, like when, when we do things with kids, you're going to show up. But I want to challenge every one of us, right, because the children and the students are the future. I want to challenge you to begin to love our students and our kids in sacrificial ways, all right? So whenever the kids are involved in something, I want you showing up. At the end of March, our kids are going to do two performances of their program. You say, I don't have a kid. That's all right. You still come. Why? Because they need to know that a church loves them. If a church on a Sunday morning can look like this, then it ought to look like this when the kids are singing on a Saturday night or a Saturday night. Let me talk about Vacation Bible School. Some of you say, Man, you know, Pastor, I don't have any kids. I'm too old to serve. I can't serve. I get that. I understand that. But I'm going to challenge you to do something this Vacation Bible School. Every one of you that is not serving or does not have a child, I want you to come at least one night to Vacation Bible School. Just come. And all I want you to do is love on some kids. I don't know. Do you guys do an opening rally in here? Every, I just want you to come. Find a class and sit with them. If you're 80 years old and your arms only come up this high, right, because of arthritis or whatever, just, just, act, just do the motions. Sing with them. Love them. You say, but, but pastor, that's hard. That'll cost me. I don't know them. Exactly. Exactly. And families, let me challenge you. There's some unbelievable, wonderful, godly senior saints who have paved the way for you and who have set the example for you. And I just want to challenge you as a family over the next month, over the month of March, to go up to one of them, a widow, a married couple, and say, hey, I want to take you out to eat. You tell me what Sunday, what day, what night is best. Our treat, I want to take you out. And all I want to know is more about you. Man, I love, I love, I got to go, I got to visit three senior saints on Thursday. And whenever I visit them, all I want to do is tell me your story. I just want to learn about you so that I can better love you. Listen, to love will cost us. But what does the church, what does the world need to see? What does the world in 2020 need to see? They need to see a church who will stand upon the principles of God's word, who declare that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and then who love each other like we actually believe it. And oh man, if the world could just see a church who actually loved each other, I wonder how many more of them would be more likely to come back. Because you know what I've heard far too many times in my life? Oh, I used to go to church. They didn't love me. I used to go to church, but all they did was argue. I used to go to church, but man, they criticized me because I wore a hat or I wore jeans and I didn't dress like them. I didn't know what I was supposed to know. And man, they criticized me love will cost you as we close one pastor observed love cost a good samaritan in christ parable time and money love cost a shepherd who endured hardship to hunt for lost sheep 
Love cost Mary of Bethany, who out of her love for Jesus broke the box of priceless ointment over the feet of Jesus. Love cost the Father. Love cost Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you as a ransom to purchase your redemption. Love will be costly, but the result will far outweigh the cost. Because when you begin to love, it becomes the very evidence, the very proof that you are a child of God. Because only one who loves God can love in this way. D.L. Moody tells of a little boy who lived in Chicago, and he attended Sunday school at a local church. When his parents moved to another part of the city, the little fellow still attended the same Sunday school, although it meant a long, tiresome walk each way. A friend asked him why he went so far, and he told them, Hey, look, there are plenty of other churches much closer. I know you used to go there, but why don't you go to a different church? The little boy said, They may be as good for others, but not for me. And that girl said, Why not? And here's what he said. Because they love a fellow over there. Because they love a fellow over there. Old church, Northside Baptist Church. May it be said of us, by every person who ever stepped foot in this place, oh, they love a fellow over there. And may we love them in the name of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is worthy of our life. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? We're going to come to this time of invitation, and God just wants you to know the altar is open. Each of us, we can love more. We, we Each of us need to just right now say, Lord, Give me a deeper love for my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But a large part of this invitation this morning is it's just going to be for us to look at our hearts and to say, look, do I need to go to somebody and say I'm sorry? Do I need to extend forgiveness to someone who has hurt me? And how can I begin to demonstrate that love to my brothers and sisters in Christ? And so in just a moment, we're going to sing. And my prayers that the Spirit of God will just speak in you and he'll speak through me, and we'll just humble ourselves and surrender ourselves to him. Father, speak. Father, speak to us. Speak to that individual who is here and has never repented of their sins, never believed in Jesus Christ. Oh God, may they see your love for them that was demonstrated for them on the cross. May they confess their sins, repent of their sins. May they come home to you, Jesus, and enter into the kingdom of God. For the person who has been hurt, for the person who has hurt oh god humble us humble us i pray right now that we might confess that we might repent that we might seek restoration and oh lord god i believe great days are in the future for Northside. so lord may we continue to be a church who declares that jesus is the christ a church who is willing to follow and keep the commands of god and a church who is willing to love sacrificially to build up and encourage the brothers and sisters in Christ so that your church, your bride might be who you want her to be. So God, speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a couple verses of our hymn this morning. The, the altar is open. Uh, you come and pray as the Spirit leads you.
Amen. Been a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, just a couple of announcements uh, that I didn't make earlier. Uh, disciple now. Let me encourage you. If, if you haven't signed up yet, sign up. Today, I believe, is the deadline, or at least to get the cheaper rate, I'm guessing. It's the Do it, please. Um, man, they will have a blast. And we need, yeah, uh, and we need we need host homes. Uh, you don't have to sign up for that online. You can see BJ for that one. So, uh, but we, we need you to, to do that. There's also an announcement about our Sunday school teachers, a meeting that we're going to have upward start Saturday, uh, an exciting time. And so be in prayer um, for that. And then Miss Dee, she got this sign here. This is your grandparents, right? Um, a lot of y'all might not know, but I think a lot of y'all remember my grandparents, Claude and Schneider. Um, they were members here, and they moved home. Um, Grandmama and they're turning 90 and 92. Every time I see them, they ask me about the church. I would think, if you could, please. Um, Sign it. Sign it. There we go. Um, just, I know you're in a hurry. Maybe take a minute. So it'll be out in the foyer? All right. So that's one way, an expression of love, just to say, hey, we love you, former brothers and sisters of this church. So um, if you will do that. Mr. Tripp is right here. He's going to close us in a word of prayer. Don't forget about our lunch. It's going to be a great time of food and fellowship as we support missions.